everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rorcroft. And today we have a little retrospective and review for you. We will be talking all about Viola Davis, recent EGOT winner. We'll be going through her Oscar-nominated and winning performances, talking about those, and then reviewing her latest movie, Ben Affleck's Air. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about her career, her achievements, and I really did like rewatching her nominated works. I know she's done a lot more. She's done a lot of TV. She's been on stage, but these nominations were big when they happened, and I think she's just an incredible actress. It's really fun to watch her, to listen to her talk in interviews, and with other actors and we can talk about some of her press stuff she's done too for some of her work so yeah I'm excited to dive into Viola's career today yeah I love Viola Davis I feel like in addition to just being one of the greatest working actors today she has such a wonderful personality and presence about her when I watch a Viola Davis interview whether it's you know actors on actors or if she's just on Good Morning America promoting a movie I know that whatever I'm about to listen to is just going to make me feel better, no matter what it is. Like, she's going to tell us something about the project in a way that's really exciting. She always brings her really vibrant personality to everything, and she talks about the industry and her experiences in the industry in a really real way, talking about her struggles as a Black woman, coming up in the theater, all of the work that she's put in, and she's just such a dedicated actress and producer like when it comes to finding projects getting things made that really matter to her I feel like she's just one of the most important voices that we have in the industry today do you remember when you first saw Viola Davis on screen you know she's been in so many shows that I probably had seen her growing up in some way and also I didn't know actors really that well at the time but I feel like a lot of people will say this too but doubt was her breakthrough role and that was when I really was like, who is this? Because she is incredible. She's a scene stealer with Meryl Streep of all people. And it's another Beatrice Strait performance and nomination that just blows you away. And every I love doubt, but mm-hmm. every single time I get drawn into this drama and this scene is just incredible. So that's probably the first time I really recognized her. But yeah, looking back, I'd seen some of her other works and kind of now am revisiting some of those earlier works. What about you? Same answer for me. I will never forget seeing her on screen in Doubt for the first time. So when this movie came out, I was going to a Catholic school at the time. I was in high school. And I remember going to see this movie because it was just, it was very topical. And I was into the Oscars at that time. And I had seen Viola Davis in movies before. Like you mentioned, you know, she's in... Everything from Far From Heaven to Syriana to Disturbia. Like, I had seen her in films before. But when she comes on screen, in doubt, as Donald Miller's mother, the film takes on a new life. And that's due to her performance and to what she brings. And I just remember thinking, like, this actress is amazing. Watching her then and just being so struck by that performance and thinking, like, I'm going to want to watch everything else that she's in because of this short performance. And it's pretty rare, I think, that things like that happen when you're watching movies that you are, you come across a performance 
by an actor who you don't know well that is so good that you feel like I'm mm-hmm. going to have to watch everything in their filmography because they're just that good. And Doubt is another work that came from the stage and she did Fences on stage and won that Tony before she did the movie and you know she came up performing other August Wilson plays too. So her history, I mean, having gone to Juilliard to her acting history and knowledge is so rooted in the theater and I think these performances that she brings to the screen are just as layered as you would see on the stage happening in real time. And I think that's maybe why I like her so much is because she brings this flair, like having done so many performances of Fences, like she still brings something new and talks about how it's different in the movie itself. And that's just great acting. Absolutely. So we mentioned that she recently won an EGOT. Her Emmy was for lead actress in a drama series for How to Get Away with Murder. Did you watch How to Get Away with Murder? Like season one, maybe part of season two. I I didn't make it through the whole thing. (laughs) She's so good as Annalise Keating. Like this is such a great role for her. And I think she's able to just channel those dramatics that you mentioned. And I think Mm -hmm. just really, really bring this character to life. Speaking of Juilliard, um, my dream is for her to work with my other favorite drama actress, Laura Linney, who's a fellow Juilliard grad. I want them to pair up so badly. It's just everything that I want, whether it's a TV show, a movie, a play, make it happen. Speaking of plays, so you mentioned she won a Tony for Best Actress in a Play for Fences, and she won the Oscar for Supporting Actress for her role in Fences. And I bring this up the together because she's one of only nine performers who won a Tony first and then the Oscar later for the same role. Mm. So we have Jose Ferrer, who did this for Cyrano de Bergerac, Shirley Booth for Comeback Little Sheba, Yul Brynner for The King and I, Rex Harrison for My Fair Lady, and Bancroft for The Miracle Worker, Paul Schofield in A Man for All Seasons, Jack Albertson in... The subject was Rose's Joel Grey in Cabaret and then Viola for Fences. And also mentioning Lila Kedrova, who we talked about for Zorba the Greek. She actually won the Oscar first and then won the Tony later for Zorba. So those are our actors who have done both. And then her Grammy was the most recent. She won for Best Audiobook, Narration, and Storytelling Recording for her autobiography, Finding Me. This autobiography, also highly recommend download it to listen to her. If you're reading celebrity memoirs, the audiobook, that's always my preferred format for these because you can actually hear the person telling their story and Viola reading her audiobook is no exception. It's fantastic. I can imagine. Yeah. (laughs) She brings so much to it that you just can't do on your own if you're, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting at home or on the beach or at the pool, wherever reading the book. And yeah, she's the 18th person in history to be an EGOT winner. And she's also the third EGOT after Helen Hayes and Rita Moreno to also have a triple crown of acting, which is Tony, Emmy, Oscar. And pointing this out because a lot of people win their Oscars for producing or one of their credits for producing. And Viola's a rare case where she won every award mm-hmm. for acting a lot of musical wins too mm-hmm. and that correlates better with the grammy and that's probably why we don't have many actors here it's because like how can they get through in the grammys but 
yeah, yeah having her do so and in like totally different ways too i love the breadth of material that we're getting just from these specific wins definitely so you mentioned she won for supporting actors for fences I guess first, how do you feel about her winning lead for the Tony and supporting for the movie? Oh, you know, it's hard because one, I really want Viola to have a Best Actress Oscar. Mm -hmm. I think it's coming in her future. I really do. I think that, you know, whether it's in a few years or it's in 15 years, we're going to see Best Actress winner Viola Davis. I think she'll win another one there. But it's hard because, you know, Am I happier that she has an Oscar that could be considered category fraud than not having one at all? Yes. Because Mm -hmm. I think if she were in lead where she belongs, I think Emma Stone still would have won because La La Land was just a stronger movie. That performance was celebrated all season. I think Viola certainly would have had a chance, but with Fences not really picking up wins or a lot of steam anywhere else when La La Land is just this juggernaut. I think this was a case where they saw the best path for her to win and it was in supporting Mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that. She has an Oscar. In terms of screen time, it's 53 minutes and we've certainly had shorter supporting performances win, but also shorter lead performances win. But I'm curious how this is on stage because in the film it is very much Denzel's movie and she does feel like a supporting character. So while it could be considered fraud, like she is the main female in this film, I'm in the same boat where I don't mind the supporting nomination and win. Again, she has a scene stealing moment though that just comes through so strong. So yeah, I'm just happy she has, like, I don't care where it is. Just give her the Oscar and... Yeah. I also just, this is completely irrelevant, but I love her dress that she was wearing when she won an Oscar. Like that color is so great. And so I love all the pictures of her holding her Oscar too. It just Mm -hmm. feels like such a great moment. But yeah, I, I think the beauty of her role in Fences, Fences as a film is not my favorite because it just to me, doesn't feel cinematic. It feels almost like you're filming the mm-hmm. stage play. Yeah. And that's always a little bit distracting to me. I think when I'm watching film adaptations of stage plays, like, couldn't we take it there? But it is very performance focused and the performances are really strong and compelling. I think Denzel's charisma, all of the flaws of that character, everything that's internalized, he plays with so smartly in Fences. I just love watching him and Viola with her character. It's fascinating because she starts the film almost in the background and then over the course of the film becomes a more prominent character as she realizes that her husband is having this affair and that her world is sort of crumbling. And that, I think, is really powerful. And only an actress like Viola Davis could do that and could show that steadily over the film and really come into her power as a character by the end. And you're talking about, yeah, she has that incredible scene-stealing moment where you're like, oh, this woman is a student of the theater. But every time she's playing a woman like this or, you know, a character, I always get the sense that she has really done so much work to create 
a character and to understand her characters as women. I just, I feel like you can feel that in every performance, but you can especially feel it in Fences. Yeah, there are always so many layers to her characters and that she's developing and demonstrating throughout all of her movies. Her other nominations, there was Supporting Actress for Doubt, and then also Lead Actress for The Help and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, so we, we talked about Doubt a little bit, but this is, of course, the John Patrick Shanley movie from 2008. And she has eight minutes of screen time. She comes in near the end. This movie is actually a pretty easy watch, I think, despite the difficult subject matter. It's 104 minutes, and it moves pretty quickly. I think it keeps you hooked the entire time. And I love how ambiguous things are kept, because Mm -hmm. in a similar way to Tar, like when a person is accused of something like that, in the real world, we never actually see, you know, everything play out clear as crystal in front of us. It's never like that. It's always ambiguous. And this film, I think, does a great job with that. Philip Seymour Hoffman, incredible. He's so creepy in this movie. Just little things too, like his fingernails and the sugar cubes in his (laughs) coffee, like always really throw me off. It's just really unsettling. This is also one of my favorite Meryl Streep performances. I think she's incredible Mm -hmm. as Sister Aloysius. Amy Adams is fantastic, too. And Sister James and Sister Aloysius are sort of foils for each other. But I think having this great story with these central performances that really keep you engaged only make it that much better when Viola arrives. Because it's just like, oh my god, we're introducing another actor into this small ensemble. And she is just as good, if not stronger, than... The other actors we've already seen before and I think it really is just a true achievement in what an ensemble can do in a film yeah one just in terms of adaptation this film is lovely to rewatch. like I said earlier I just get sucked in every time and it's because of these four actors together like it is such a delight to see them together and working together playing off each other I mean this is a pretty early Amy Adams too and getting to see these newer talents her and Viola at the time was just so much fun and then too yeah you have Viola coming in later on and you kind of assume like how this scene is gonna go like the mom is coming in we're finally getting to the root of the issue or she's gonna find out and freak out and the way she delivers what she has to say and in how different she thinks of her son compared to how the audience is led to believe she will or how the sisters do Mm -hmm. you are just as taken aback as Meryl Streep in that moment as the sister it's like wow I didn't expect you to say that but you know thinking about it this way it makes you fit all of the pieces of the puzzle from the film together in a different way and that's why it's so fun because it's like every time I'm like I'm pretty sure he did it and I think with each new rewatch I'm more convinced but there's still that element of doubt I love that final line. You know, they're in the courtyard and she said, I have such doubts. And it just makes you think about the movie on end. And Mm -hmm. I love movies that do that. So I think this is an amazing first nomination for her. And then we have The Help, which she was lead for, which is kind of surprising considering 
this ensemble cast is just insane. And now there's so many Oscar winners in this movie. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. You have Sissy Spacek, Mary Steenburgen, Allison Janney, Emma Stone, Jessica Chastain, Octavia Spencer, and now Viola also since the movie came out. Um, Cicely Tyson has an honorary. Anjanou Ellis is a nominee. It's just so much fun again to have an ensemble cast that is awarded like that too. And I think this isn't an, another easy rewatch. I think it's interesting because Viola, since this movie, has sort of just expressed how dissatisfied she is with the movie itself, not her performance as Abilene in it. I think she's fantastic in the movie, and I love watching her, of course, and she brings, I think, so much to this character. But there are some complicated feelings toward the movie now from the cast members and from Viola herself, you know, talking about how she, this is a movie that she regrets taking. Viola, in this article, she said, I just felt that at the end of the day, that it wasn't the voices of the maids that were heard. I know Abilene, I know Minnie, they're my grandma, they're my mom, and I know that if you do a movie where the whole premise is, I want to know what it feels like to work for white people and to bring up children in 1963, I want to hear how you really feel about it. I never heard that in the course of the movie. But one thing that she says is she doesn't regret her experience on set or working with all of the people of the movie who are her friends and even Tate Taylor, the director. She mentions that it was a really positive experience. She just wishes that it focused more on the black women in the story than the white women of the story. Yeah, and I think that's part of what I like hearing Viola talk about in interviews too, is how she wants more opportunities for black actors in bigger roles and while the material here is a little bit problematic now, her experiences, her acting, her abilities, again, on screen, were just another step into her being able to push for those roles, like her leading performance in The Woman King. And I mean, on IMDb right now, she has 24 upcoming producing credits, which is insane. So Mm -hmm. like, it led her to this place and her power and her voice will have led to so many other actors getting these opportunities too after her. So I mean, she's just turned like these somewhat sour experiences or difficulties from her past into achievements and positive experiences. So I think that's just her power as an actor as a person just talking about how things should be what is right and what she wants for other actors considering her background. Last thing about The Help, I think before we move on to her next nomination for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I think the performances in this movie, all in all, are really strong. Like, Octavia Spencer is great. Emma Stone is, like, bringing her, I think, usual sort of wit and comedic timing to the part. So I think Viola here, like, even though she regrets doing the role, I do think it's a strong performance and the Mm -hmm. ensemble as a whole is strong as well. And some of my favorite moments are Viola and Octavia in the kitchen, chit-chatting in between working. And like those are the moments where you can see the charisma and the joy between them. Like they're just friends on set, really. They're in a movie, obviously, but it's so joyous to watch. So even in those small moments, they still made it into this special and honest experience. Definitely. And we talked a lot about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom in our first season when Viola was nominated for Best Actress. But it's sort of crazy. This is only her second Best Actress nomination. She has Mm -hmm. two in Supporting and two in Lead. 
But I remember when we watched this movie and when we talked about it, how we were really pulled in by the authenticity that Viola brought to the part and thinking about her research into that character and how she was really committed to making sure the hair and the makeup was right, making sure the costumes were right, doing all of this research into the history and making sure everything was period accurate so that she could really find this character and transform into Ma Rainey. That's really impressive. And again, it's the type of project like The Woman King, like Fences, that she was, I think, really excited to put on screen and to be a part of. You know, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is another August Wilson adaptation. She's really good in those types of roles. So I think and this one is, is no exception. This was just a really tough Best Actress year, too. Yeah, her screen time here was 26 minutes, which does feel short considering you know her name is the name of the film but she has such powerful moments in this movie which is what she's wanted to echo beforehand like the scene where she demands them to get her a coke and then when she's lobbying for her nephew to intro the song but he's stuttering or just seeing her and chadwick fighting together because she wants it the way that she wants it because of how the white people the producers are manipulating her or trying to basically milk her for all she's worth without having to pay her so again it's echoing a lot of what we said already but i feel like she was able to embody ma rainey so well apart from just the look she really created a stunning human on screen that is complex and layered that i think we really get to know over these 90 some minutes this is another somewhat short film So some other fun additional Viola Davis movies to watch before we get to our new film, Air, of course. So to our Patreon, coming soon this month, we'll be covering Disturbia and Widows. She's in a supporting role in Disturbia, and she has an amazing lead role in Steve McQueen's Widows, which I think was one that a lot of people, you know, anticipated maybe she can get a Best Actress nomination for Widows when it came out, and then it just sort of disappeared. It didn't get necessarily the release or the awards reception that I think a lot of people thought it deserved. So I'm excited to talk about that too. But just go to YouTube and search Viola Davis. The first video recommendation I would give is for her Hot Ones interview. You can learn so much about her career, who she is as a person, and she is just so much fun to watch as she eats all of these different spicy wings. She's so good at it. Honestly, one of the best the best ones I've seen. I love some of her other interviews too. She did a segment on 60 Minutes for press for Ma Rainey's. She's done a few actors on actors. She had a great one with Jennifer Lawrence this past year. She's done one with Tom Hanks. That was for the Fences year and also with Samuel Jackson. So these conversations are like 45 minute chats, but having actors talking together just allows them to dive into like her education at Juilliard and what that meant to her and why it didn't necessarily prepare her for the screen and for emotional acting. But then also like her and Jen don't have a movie together, but it's cool to like hear them talk about other roles and involve themselves in each other's filmography. It's a really unique video. So yeah, definitely check those out too. Jennifer Lawrence and Viola Davis, two of our greatest Leos. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Leo creators, Air, Ben Affleck's latest film, 
This follows the history of shoe salesman Sonny Vaccaro and how he led Nike in its pursuit of the greatest athlete in the history of basketball, Michael Jordan. This also stars Matt Damon, Chris Tucker, Viola Davis, of course, Chris Messina, Jason Bateman, Marlon Wayans. It has a great cast. Mm-hmm. And I will put my cards on the table now. I thought it was so much fun. What did you think? Oh, I loved it. I think it's a movie for anybody. It's a dad movie. It's a family movie. It's inspiring. It's hopeful. You know, it's silly, but I think all the performances are great. Matt Damon is our lead here as Sonny Vaccaro, and I think he just does a great job on this journey of believing in Michael and giving us some insight into the early days of Michael Jordan before he became the star that he now is. And then getting to see Viola and her real husband, Julius Tennant, as Michael's parents. I think those are some great scenes too, like seeing her go into Nike and she knows everybody's name. I think she really makes her character so genuine. And both of them, Julius and her, were on Jimmy Kimmel recently. And Julius said that Michael's parents like reached out or said that his performance was spot on. And that was like the biggest compliment that he could have received. So, you know, the fact that they got the blessing from the family, I think just shows that this movie like did it right. And I watched an interview with Ben Affleck, Matt Damon and Viola Davis. And Ben Affleck talked about how he spoke with Michael Jordan. And he said specifically that he wanted Viola to play his mom. And that if anyone was going to play his mom, it had to be the greatest actor in the world. (laughs) So it was going to be Viola Davis. And one of the interesting things that she talks about when she talks about this movie is how she used to sort of push back on mom or mother roles because she didn't want to be typecast there. She didn't know necessarily, you know, how she, if those were the types of roles that she wanted. But she said that the more... She has taken on those roles. She finds like such a great honor and responsibility in them. And specifically with playing Dolores, I feel like she brought so much to this character and her scenes in the movie were some of my favorites. And learning that she improved the best line in the movie, your mm-hmm. shoe is just a shoe until my son steps into it. Iconic behavior. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that quote is so important to this movie, too, and it works just so well, which Mm -hmm. just, again, makes that moment way more special that she improv. That's insane. Yeah, I think, too. So I know a little bit about basketball. It's not one of my go to sports to watch, but I did love like the Gonzaga jokes and some of the other jokes that are made about the NBA at the time. I thought those were great, but I feel like this movie works for both basketball fans and people who don't really know anything about the sport because it's not a typical sports movie at all. Mm -hmm. Like, it's about an underdog story. I know people can roll their eyes about Nike, a great corporation, being an underdog. That's fine. You can have your quibbles with it being a movie about a corporation. You know, that's fine. I have my issues with large corporations in real life, too. But this movie is just, I don't know, it's just joy. It's just an easy movie to watch. And I don't know. Yes, it is a story about a product and a company, but it's also a story about the people who made that product and who 
decided to like put their dreams out there and take risks creatively and to make decisions that ultimately influenced athletes forever. Like, that's really cool. And again, like, I I get that you can have your issues with it being a movie about corporate America. That's fine. But I think it's about more than that. Yeah, the end titles show how much money the shoe has made, Nike has made, but it ends on the point that Dolores wanted Michael to get a percentage of the shoe's revenue. And Mm -hmm. that was the thing that really changed the industry for athletes. So yeah, I think it's about the power of the people and just speaking up and the impact that Michael Jordan had on so many other lives too. Mm -hmm. Affleck frames it in a way that You know, Nike was a nobody before Michael Jordan, basically. And I think that part of the underdog story is really what he's driving home in this movie. I love that it's like about sports and not. And maybe he learned that from the way back and his experiences there and brought that into directing here. But it is a good mix of, you know, hitting a certain audience, but still everybody can enjoy this movie. I think, too, like the ensemble cast is one of the best ensemble casts I've seen in a movie this year in 2023. I think that, you know, Chris Messina as David Falk, who's this awful trash talking agent who I think, you know, he brings a lot to that role, like in the phone conversations that he has with Sonny Vaccaro. Those are great. I think that Jason Bateman was maybe my favorite performance in the movie, aside from Viola Davis. Yes, I love him. I know. It's fine. But I thought he really brought another layer of humanity to it when we see that, you know, he's in the office on his birthday and he has a daughter who he doesn't really get to see very often and he brings her these Nike shoes like to sort of keep their relationship alive in a way. Mm -hmm. Like that, I think, made the film feel a bit more personal and I thought, you know, he he was fantastic. I love when Ben Affleck is in these weird supporting roles like in The Last Duel but here it's even funnier you know as Phil Knight I think he's so odd like just going on these runs in these absolutely insane colorful athletic Mm -hmm. 80s gear he's like I went on a run cleared my head like that is just that's great I love that version of Ben Affleck the wig, whatever is going on with his hair, oh my God. sign me up. If he's in a movie like this, odds are I'm going to like it. His performance here, yes, is camp. That purple tracksuit, I need it. Like the shorts, the sh- I don't. It's all. It's so good. I feel like he chose that specifically. Was like, yes, this is way too much. I love it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like his performance works better than in the last duel, which was kind of just a messier film. And here, this movie is really funny. So he kind of got to play off of that with his character as the CEO, who got to yell at Sonny Vaccaro and, you know, Matt and Ben obviously have an illustrious career together. So it was just kind of fun to see all these actors playing off each other. And I do want to note Chris Tucker, too, who I really loved. Mm -hmm. We haven't really seen him since Silver Linings, which was a pretty small performance there. But... I think he just killed it on screen, though. You know, bringing that comedy that we know him for so well. Everything just flowed really well. And I think Matt Damon, I I expressed my hesitations about him playing an Italian and a man named Sonny Vaccaro. But 
I actually feel like he's so good in these lead everyman types of roles where he has maybe not a hidden talent or a skill, but he has something he really believes in and he's willing to take the risks to accomplish it. And it's just cool, I think, knowing what we know about Michael Jordan now to see someone who knows not in the same way that we know, obviously, but who knows who Michael Jordan can be when he was just this shooting guard at UNC. Like, that's crazy. And Mm -hmm. what did you think of their decision to not show Michael Jordan, to have him sort of on the periphery? We just sort of see him in profile sometimes, or he towers out of frame. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I was curious in the film like if they were going to show it and I like that we get to see like all of him and we get to see you know it's funny we don't see his face but we can see how he reacts to things that the Nike team says and to his parents but I mean as part of that just they didn't want to cast a Michael Jordan and the weight of that it's interesting because when I because when I first saw the movie and I saw that Michael Jordan wasn't included I thought okay there's something here where you know, maybe Michael Jordan didn't want them to make this movie or there's something going on with rights or, I don't know, some sort of legal kerfuffle happened. But then I listened to an interview with Ben Affleck about this and he described it as wanting to portray Michael Jordan in the way that audiences see him sort of already as this, as yeah. someone that we we never really know, just like this outsized celebrity or persona mm-hmm. and to not have him be a character in the movie, but to instead have the movie focus on Dolores, his mom, who really, I think, was the engine behind everything. Like, she's a big part of the reason why Michael Jordan is a household name and how why he accumulated all of this wealth through his deals with Nike. And part of me wishes that the movie itself might have been a little more focused on Dolores. I feel like that would have been a great story if... You know, she really was the central figure, someone who has lived a very complicated life, certainly. But I think, you know, having the story focused on her as the center of the Jordan family and then on Sonny Vaccaro, like, taking this gamble, I thought was actually a really smart way to make this film and to keep it really engaging and to be not just your traditional sports movie. Yeah, we've seen this before in other films where... There's a big figure, but the story is about other people related to them. And I think that's what makes this movie so fun and special. Whereas, I mean, we have Michael Jordan documentaries and other films, so it's not like this is taking away from that. But he wasn't really involved in the film either. So while he approved of what was happening, he knew it was happening. This allows the story of other people connected to him to be told. And I think that's important, too, because it's like Michael Jordan wasn't a somebody without anybody around him. He was very much influenced by his parents and, you know, getting to see these little deals, too. It's like insider info that Mm -hmm. you get to see behind the scenes. And that is definitely what draws audiences into. It's like, I want to see what happened. How did this come to be? Yeah, it was all interesting to me. And I feel like it really is. We don't love to say this word often, but I think it really is just a genuine crowd pleaser. It also has a great 80s soundtrack. Oh, have to mention incredible. That. Oh, my God. Needle it's drop like... after needle drop. Yes. <laughs> Every single song. Oh, my God. I loved it. So if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would it be? 
I would actually give Best Supporting Actress to Viola Davis. So it works for the theme of our episode today. She gave my favorite performance in the movie, and she was just incredibly grounded as Dolores, and I think brought something Mm -hmm. different to the film that wasn't there until she appeared and started having these conversations with Sonny. That conversation they have at the picnic table. She just looks so Mm -hmm. comfortable, and she just feels like she is this character. Like, you believe that she is the center of the Jordan family and the center of this movie's universe. And it's, it's a subtle performance from her, but it's a very like strong and committed performance. I think that makes you believe ultimately in the importance of the movie, but in the message of the movie too, and how, what she did and how important it was for athletes to get royalties off of their name being used. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This isn't like, Viola crying. This isn't a crazy dramatic performance, but I don't think that means the performance is any smaller because of that. She gets to emulate things in a different way than we have seen her recently. And I think that's why I liked her performance too. But I think I would give the Oscar to original screenplay. I really didn't know what to expect going in, but I was pretty blown away by just how fun it was. And I wasn't alive in the 80s. I didn't get all of the sports references, but I think there's enough there where everyone is laughing. The theater, I mean, at least I was just cackling the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it, yeah, really is enjoyable for anyone. And I love how Ben Affleck gave the screenwriter, Alex Convery, full credit on the screenplay. Mm -hmm. I thought that was great. And my crowd loved this movie. Everyone was laughing when the movie ended. I heard so many people say, I really liked that, or that was great. And I feel like that's really rare to experience now when you're leaving Mm -hmm. a movie. So other roles just that Viola has coming up next, she'll be in The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And then I think this is a little bit further out, but there's a movie called I Almost Forgot About You. It sounds like Girls Trip meets Wild. And she's also a producer on this movie, but it's one that I am very excited for. I would just love to see Viola just let loose. If it's anything like Girls Trip, oh my god, I need it. Yeah, I'm excited for this. The logline is Georgia Young, a twice-divorced, successful optometrist, finds herself on a wild journey of self-discovery, reuniting with old lovers and getting a brand new lease on life. That's my kind of movie. (laughs) (laughs) Anything that's about like women over 50 finding themselves, sign me up. With a great actress in the lead role. Amazing. So that was our episode on Viola Davis and her latest movie, Air. Next time on Oscar Wilde, we'll be doing our first Oscar Rewind of the season, going back to 1973, where The Sting won Best Picture. And for those of you who have listened to Oscar Rewinds that we've done in the past, we've covered director nominees, picture nominees... This time we'll be doing something a little bit different. We'll be reviewing The Sting, talking about the Oscars, and sharing the five movies that we would nominate for Best Picture from 1973. I'm excited for this and all of these 50th anniversaries that basically we'll be celebrating next week. But thank you all for listening. If you like our show, feel free to rate, review, and follow. 
You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at OscarWildPod. And we have bonus content and other series on our Patreon. And you can find all of that at patreon.com slash OscarWild. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.